Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Lavanda. Thank you, Wesley, for leading us in the worship this evening. The music is a valuable part of our worship service. All right, so you got three handouts tonight. So I want you to bog down on handouts. So put two of them away and don't look at them again until we get to the business meeting. The only one I want you looking at is the double side, the one that says, what is atonement? That's the one you're going to have tonight. The other two, you just put them down because I don't want you to worry about them just yet because they're nothing to worry about, but I'll explain them when we get into the business meeting. That's what those two are for. Uh, one's the financial and then one's a little questionnaire that, that I have for you, and I'd like to explain that to you. So, so we're going to get into our study tonight, and it's, uh, I told you this morning, and by the way, this is a great crowd. Brother Wesley, you're right. This is, they came back for choir practice, didn't they? Oh, my goodness. This is a great, great crowd. We're missing some of our regulars, but, but it's still a great crowd. So we'll be mindful of your time, and, and we'll certainly get into God's Word and study a little bit, because that's why we're here. That's what we want to do. We want to grow our relationship, just like we have done every single time. So what I've done with your handout is there's no blanks. I kind of lit up on you on the blanks things. It's just information. And so we'll talk about these, these things on the handout. You take your handout home, then when you're sitting around the, the table this week, and you can glance back and look at it, and you can just kind of reflect on it. You can talk about it. You can look at some of these things. But we're going to talk about atonement, all right? So we've been on uh, Sunday nights, we've been talking about Christian beliefs, we've talked about the Bible, we've talked about who is God, we've talked about who is Christ, we've talked about uh, different things that are Christian beliefs. And these are the things that we need to know. These are things we need to enhance on, things that we need to grow in so that when we defend our faith, because you can't know everything about the other religions, the other religions that they are, and, and I'm not downplaying any other religion, okay? You just can't know everything. What you need to know is what you believe. You need to know how to defend your faith so that, and that's what we're doing, and we're teaching things and learning things together about our faith, our Christian beliefs, okay? And I didn't say Baptist, I say Christian, and that's what we believe. So, so atonement's what we're in tonight, and so just, uh, I looked up a few things for you, and I just want, to, you know, the first thing is, what is atonement? I mean, what does that mean? What does that word mean? How, what's the value of that word? What does it mean? How is it used? And so when you look at it, it's, the definition is reparation for, what, for wrong or injury, kind of like a substitution for wrong or injury, a replacement, something that's placed in, in place for wrong for in, or injury. That is a definition. But in Christian theology, when you look at Christian theology, the reconciliation of God and mankind through Jesus Christ, making things right with God. So it had, something had to be done to make things right. When sin was in the world, sin was, was going through the world, and it was just running rampant. You know, all the Old Testament, there's sin, there's, there's sacrifices being made, whether it's animals or whatever it is, whether it's incense, animals, or whatever. But God is, basically, you'd think, well, God's had enough. You know, this isn't working. And so there's got to be something done to replace that, all right? So that's what it tells us. Prior to Jesus' birth, an angel told his earthly father, Joseph, he said he, uh, that the, the baby in Mary's womb would be named what? What did the angel tell him he's going to name? Huh? Well, Emmanuel. But what do you say you're going to name that baby? Jesus. Jesus. You're going to name it Jesus. So, so here's the thing. It's when you go to Matthew one twenty one. This is the, the angel speaking to him. The Matthew says, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus did save his people from their sins. So you're going to name him Jesus because he's, his purpose is going to be to save his people, not just people, but his people 
from their sins because all people are his people, all right? So in this, just like we talked about this morning, the invitation is for who? It's for everybody. It's for all people, okay? So it says right there, he's going to save his people from their sins. Jesus did save his people from his sins. Now, this morning, I, I, I threw out a, a kind of a, a tough scenario when I said, if you know how to die, you know how to live. Remember that? And did, did I, was I clear on that? Or did you go home confused? I'm, what in the world is he talking about? Living and dying. This is more about living and dying right here. Okay, about Jesus Christ, living and dying. When we look at it, Jesus did save his people from their sins, both through the life that he lived and through the death that he died. It took both, right? It took a perfect life. It took him living a a sinless life, a perfect life to be a perfect sacrifice to go to a cross. Now you think about it. Jesus Christ knew the entire time that he was on this earth that he had to die. He never once wavered from the fact that he had to die. Dying was not what, what, what bothered him. What was it bothered Jesus the most? Be separated from the Father. I say the most. That's probably the only thing that bothered him. He wasn't worried about dying. He wasn't worried about, we wouldn't worry about anything, but he wasn't troubled about the beating. He wasn't troubled about what was going to happen. He wasn't troubled about anything other than <laughs> separation from God. And that's that's the difference between that, all right? So the life he lived and the death that he died. The work that Jesus did in living and dying to earn our salvation is sometimes referred to as atonement. Okay? Was that a comment? (laughs) Davis want to chime in on something? All right. right. So that's what is atonement. So let's look at the, the next little section, the cause of atonement. So Scripture is clear. Christ came to earn our salvation because of God's faithful love, his mercy, and here's the kicker, his justice. All right? It had to be done. And it had to be done the way that God orchestrated it, the way he designed it. All right? Christ came for one purpose, and it was for our salvation. It was because of God's unconditional, faithful, agape love, his mercy that he has on his people, because he could have just said, Swipe this thing clean. Let's start over. This one didn't work out the way I kind of really wanted it to. Let's just push this one aside. But that's not, that's not mercy, all right? And then the justice had to take place. And we're talking about justice. You're talking about the wrath of God. And we're not talking about just a little bit of wrath. We're talking about the full wrath of God. You're talking about God pouring 100% of the wrath that he had. The, and, and the word hatred, I, I, I hate to use the word I hate, I hate to use the word hate. Is that like, what is that? Have any English majors help me with that? Ironic. So you think about it. Did God hate anything? God of love. But, but I'm pretty sure God despises sin. You know, does he hate it? I'm not 100% sure how that factors in. But the thing is, he despises it. All right. All right. So let's move on. God's love. We're talking about the cause of atonement. Christ came to earn our salvation through the, the love that, that God has for his people. God's love is affirmed in John three sixteen. If you Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that's one that we know by heart, ain't it? We hear it every week. We know that one. God's justice is affirmed in Paul. We go over to Paul Writings in Romans 3.25, he says this, And God put forth Jesus as a propitiation. 
So there's another one of those words. Well, we don't know what does atonement? What does it mean? What does propitiation mean? Well, you're talking about things that, that God has to, uh, that he needs and he requires. Christ completely satisfied the just demands of the Holy Father for judgment on sin by his death at Calvary. That's propitiation. He's placed in place of, all right? He's a sacrifice that bears God's wrath, and he bears 100% of the wrath so that God will look favorably toward who? Us. He did not favor toward Jesus. I mean, that wasn't the reason he done it. It's so that we could have a relationship with him, all right? Paul says this that was done to show God's righteousness also said that he might be just. And when you look at what God had to do, this is what had to, to take place because of God being just. Someone had to take that punishment for the sins of the world, and that someone was who? It was Jesus. It had to be Jesus. All right, now. In Jesus' life and his death, we'll see a full expression of God's justice where sin is punished, all right? That's the punishment for sin that's taken place. And his faithful love is an example of his giving his own son to bear the punishment for us, all right? And that's where we talk about the cause for atonement. That's what took place, what's had to take place in order for justice to, take, to, to be fulfilled, all right? So let's look at the necessity of the atonement, all right? Although it was not necessary for God to save anybody, and that's what I keep saying, you know, it's a wonder that God didn't just clean us off. Although it was not necessary for God to save anybody, the scripture says he chose to save some, all right? So why did he chose to save some? He said, well, now you're fixing to get into that election and selection, whatever you're talking about. Well, let me tell you, he chose to save some, but that is those people who freely chose to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He didn't say that, that God is omnipotent. Do you understand that? So he knows who's going to choose. He knows who's going to place their faith and trust because he's omni, omnipotent. He knows everything, right? But he doesn't select certain ones to choose and certain ones to not choose, all right? He says that all those who ch- freely choose to place their faith, uh, faith and trust in Jesus Christ and follow him. That's what we talked about this morning. That's what we know. If you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ then you are a sheep. You are a follower of Christ. And it's not that that certain people can and certain people can't. Every one of them can. Jesus Christ died for every single person on the planet, but only his sheep benefit from the reason that he died. All right? Now, once God made the decision, this is just hypothetical. Once he made the decision that this is going to take place, God's justice made it necessary for Christ to live the life that he lived, and to die the death that he died. And that's why once God was ready for this to take place, that's why Jesus came to this earth. That's the reason he came the way he came. That's the reason he lived 33-plus years sinless. That's the reason he walked the walk that he did, the miracles that he performed, and all the way to the cross, all right? And that, that had to take place. All right, Luke 24, 26. Jesus is speaking here. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer the things and enter into his glory? He knew it, he was going to suffer. It was necessary because the Father and he are one. He said that this morning. I and the Father are one. He knew exactly what the Father's will was. He stayed in the Father's will. He was in constant communication with the Father throughout his time, even before the time he was here. They were in constant fellowship. Jesus knew there was no other way for God to save us other than him to die in our place. And that's kind of, you, you want to think that, you know, if you knew that you were about to die, your emotions would be a little bit different, don't you think? 
If you knew that, that, that tomorrow was the day that you were going to be crucified and you were going to die tomorrow, you'd be a little bit different today, wouldn't you? I would be. I'd be like, I'm going the other way. You know? Ah, okay. And he said he was going back. Yeah, and he'd going home. And that's, that's what I said this morning. Um, Stephen, if you know how to, to die, you know how to live. So basically, because if you know where you're going when you die, you know, we know what it's going to be like. We, we know what the Bible tells us it's going to be like, but I can only imagine that it's way beyond even what we read in Scripture about what it's going to be like. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's the first time you ever said amen, ain't All right, let's look at the nature of atonement. Let's look at what takes place and what took place during this atonement process. Look at this. Jesus also lived a life of suffering. I mean, you look at his life, and it wasn't a bed of roses. I mean, it was a very difficult life that he lived from the time he started his ministry. I don't really know, and we don't know much about his younger years other than that one instant when he was 13 years old or 12 years old, but his, his ministry life was pretty difficult. Let's look at this. He, in the words of Isaiah, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was despised. Can you imagine what it's like to be despised by men, to be despised and rejected by men? That's, I think he was despised and rejected. That's what the prophet Isaiah is going to say years before he actually gets here. All right? He suffered when he was assaulted by Satan's attacks and temptation in the wilderness. For 40 days, 40 nights, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, he was attacked by Satan. And we know the ones that, that are in Scripture, but this thing went on. And he <laughs> suffered during that time because he was physically human and, and, and a physical body was suffering through those attacks. He was hungry. You know, he, he was thirsty. All these things that he suffered from the temptations in the wilderness. He endured from sinners tremendous hostility against himself. You know, he was spit on. He was abused. He was tremendously grieved by the death of his friend Lazarus. And he had some of the same emotions. All this is part of it. This is part of his suffering. You know, we grieve when we lose somebody. You know, and that's a normal process, but he was, he was no different than we are as far as that is concerned. Uh, though he never disobeyed the, his heavenly father, he was in his will completely. He became the source of eternal salvation for all the people who, what, obey him. Have we ever talked about obedience in this church? Yes or no? All the time. It's all about obedience, isn't it? It's all about the will of God and what he wants us to do and how we can respond to his will and obey him, all right? When Jesus was crucified, let's look at this. This is, this is pretty impressive, all right? When Jesus was crucified, he suffered one of the most horrible forms of death ever devised by a man. And you think about this. Well, Carrie, you just talked about that again this morning. You talked about that before, before Easter. But let's look at this. The pain he experienced was intense. Now, it's, it's probably the pain that Jesus experienced doesn't mean it was more than what we experienced. It doesn't mean it's more than what you experienced. If you had an injury, if you've been hurt in a way, it doesn't mean it was more intense than that. But, but look at this. When crucified, Christ was forced to endure a slow death of suffocation. 
it wasn't a fast process, even though he was only on the cross for a certain amount of hours. It's a slow death of suffocation, all right? And that's pretty, pretty drastic. Brought on by the, his own weight of his body. He was stretched out, fastened with nails to the cross on his arms, uh, his hands. His arms were supported most of his weight from hanging from his arms from the nails in, uh, where he was attached to the cross. That his chest cavity was pulled upward and outward, making it difficult for him to ex- exhale, exhale, or even draw in another breath. You, feel, you figure that. Hanging up, he couldn't even pull breaths in. I'm sure they were short and choppy. To breathe, he had to push up with his legs. Now, what was he pushing up on? The, the, nail, that was, the nail that was driven through his feet. All right. He had to push up with that, putting all of his weight on the nails in his feet, pull up from the nails in his hands, sending intense pain through the nerves in his arms and his legs. Now, I don't know that that's in Scripture, but you think about what's taking place in this, this type of injury, this type of uh, crucifixion. I'm quite sure that that was a pretty intense ordeal and some pretty intense pain. All right. Well, he was, he was gone by then, I think. His back was already whipped raw. You think about the beating that he took. And we talked about that. Scraped against this rough splinter-filled post that he's rubbing up and down on. As he's pushing up. Every time he tries to take a breath, he's pushing up. And his back is rubbing on this splinter-filled wooden cross with every breath he took. But the physical pain was nothing compared to the spiritual pain. You think of all that and how violent that was and how bad that was. But yet, that was nothing compared to being separated from the God the Father. All right? Jesus never sinned, yet Jesus voluntarily took upon himself all the sins of those who would one day be saved. Amen? Isn't that a good one? Huh? All right, Isaiah 53, 12. He bore the sins of many. All right? He bore the sins of many. That which he hated... All right, with the whole, his whole being was poured onto him. And then you look in Peter, 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore, all, bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live righteousness. All right? By his wounds you have been healed. Let's look at a few, few verses to go with that. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake God made Christ to be sin. Galatians 3.13. Jesus became a curse for us to redeem us from the curse of the law. All right? And Jesus faced every bit of this turmoil, every bit of this pain all by himself. When you think about it, where were the disciples at? They just took off. I mean, they couldn't handle this. This was a little bit more than they signed up for. All right? They had all fled and left. God the Father had even abandoned him on the cross. Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's all alone, all right? At that time, he was cut off from the sweet fellowship of his heavenly father, all right? That fellowship had been the source of his inward strength throughout his whole ministry. You think about it. The source of inward strength is fellowship with Jesus Christ. If you need strength, that's where you get it from, all right? The inward strength that he had had was through God the Father, all right? Now... The greatest joy is provided by the fellowship of God. If you want joy, you have fellowship with Jesus Christ. All right? Now, at the height of his suffering, he was very much alone. Even more difficult than the physical pain was the mental anguish, the complete abandonment, 
and, and, and the, bearing the full wrath of God on himself. All right? As Jesus bore the guilt of our sin, God unleashed all the wrath and punishment for the sins that had been stored up since the beginning of time. Everything was poured out on Jesus Christ during this particular time. Everything from that point up until this, this time. All right? 2 Corinthians 5.21, and we'll look at that one two different times. God made him sin uh, to be sin who knew no sin. So God turned him into sin for the sake of uh, sacrifice for us. All right? This act of divine justice is also an act of divine love. God's unconditional love. Look at the rest of 2 Corinthians right, 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become righteous of God. All right? Now, Christ necessarily and willingly bore the full punishment of sin on the cross, and so through his death, God's justice was met. All right? So let's look at the results of what actually took place in this. All right? So here we go. Christ lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died a horrific sinner's death in order to save people from their sins. So look at these things he did. He paid the penalty that we deserve to pay for our sins. He bore the wrath we deserve to bear. He overcame the separation our sin caused between God and us. He freed us from the bondage caused by sin. And he did it all because of his unconditional love for his people. And that's what, that's what the scripture goes back to the very time the angel said he's going to save his people. And he never once wavered from that. All right? Now, because of Christ's work on our behalf, God delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of of his beloved son. Now, what a great salvation. Amen? Amen. Isn't that awesome? All right. So let's look at these questions together. So let's look at these together. All right. Why was it necessary for Jesus to come and live a perfect life on earth? Why was that necessary? Amen. All right. So perfect example, perfect sacrifice. All right. All right, so that's why he came and that's why it was necessary. All right. Why was it necessary for Jesus to die? What do you think? Could God have done this a different way? It's just we've been talking about the life he lived and the death that he died. I mean, it was all tied together. It had to be fulfilled in this way. All right? All right? Could he have saved us in any other way? Well, God is omnipresent, omnipotent, and he can do all things. He can do it any way he wants. So he could, he could have done it a different way because God can do anything he wants to do. But this is the way that was the perfect way that he did it. All right? How does your understanding of the word atonement humble you? Anybody? Say again, Stephen. Willingly. Yeah, he made it away. He provided a way. That is pretty humbling, isn't it? All right. How does this encourage you? How does it not? How does it not? That's like, well, I mean, you know, without this, we have nothing. Without this, we have no hope. Without this, we're eternally damned. 
to, to be separated from God when this life is over with. When you think about it, without this sacrifice, without the, what Jesus Christ has done for us, there is no hope. And so you think about this world. You think about the people in this world. You think about all the people that they don't have a clue. You know, don't talk to me about that. I'm, I'm not much, I'm not into the religious thing. I'm not into an organized church. You know, all these are questions you've got to think about. But, but this is, without this, we have no hope. Okay? And, but with it, we have all hope. Amen? Amen. All right. All righty. Let's move in.